The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Beyond. 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 Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Beyond. Uh, my name is Marty Sleeve. I'm joined by Andrew Goldfarb. Hi. And Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Lucy, we are so glad you're here. Yeah, that's why the episode is special. It's because Lucy's here. Thank you for That is one of me. two reasons. And the other reason, if you're watching the video, you will know. Uh, this is our God of War special. Oh, that's right. Um, Andrew and I got to go down to sunny Santa Monica and play the first two and a half hours of God of War. Sounds mm-hmm. like you said sunny Santa Monica. It was definitely raining while we were there. Sunny Santa Monica. It was sunny for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is the first time anyone's gone hands-on with the game. Uh, obviously revealed back at uh, E3 2016. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, we got to play just from literally the opening to two and a half hours into the game and so we just want to spend the next half hour or so you know deep diving into what our experience was like uh lucy asking us a bunch of questions uh, yeah we're gonna mostly avoid spoilers yeah i want to say that like we absolutely are not talking any story related stuff so we'll talk about story in that we'll say like hey guess what it's a father-son relationship and, mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk about that relationship a little bit but we're not gonna be talking plot points like yeah. don't worry about any like actual like story beats being spoiled or anything mm-hmm. like that we'll just kind of tell you uh, maybe locations we were in a little bit and, and talk about some, some kind of general gameplay mechanical stuff. Yeah. But, um, we definitely don't want to like spoil the story even for you, let alone. How, no, yeah. you, you mustn't. Like the one thing, like I, I just want to kick off before we get into specifics. Is it as like crazy different from the God of War that we know yeah. that it seemed when it was first revealed? Like just yeah. overall? Uh, yes. It is. So like <laughs> the best way I can answer that is that Yes, until it isn't. Like, what I like about it is that it is very much, both in terms of story and mechanically, it is very much still Kratos. And, like, everything that happened before is still there, which includes his fighting style. And so it's like combat itself is nothing like it was in the other God of War games. But occasionally in close quarters, you're like, oh, it does kind of feel like like there there are these moments where I was like, this reminds me of stringing combos together in, you know, God of War 2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. But right. there, you know, the HUD is so minimal that there aren't like orbs floating around you. There's no like combo chains. There's none of that. And you have to play differently. But I do think it still feels like the same guy, just a little older. Yeah. There's a moment uh, I keep bringing up. We bring it up in our written preview, which we have a full written and video preview. You can check out on the site right now. Um, but there's a moment where... Kratos and his son Atreus uh, are walking through the forest and Atreus remarks about how everything's sort of changing and uh, everything feels different. And he's saying that in the context 
of like this world of Norse mythology. Like clearly something is wrong and like monsters are appearing and like, you know, there's something wrong with the world. And he says, everything is different. And Kratos is like, yeah, everything is different, but it's time to accept that. And that to me is sort of the thesis statement of this game is that this is, despite the fact that this is the same creative director in the same studio as God of War 2 and, you know, the God of War trilogy, the core trilogy, I guess, um, this is a very different video game because it's 2018. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it, <laughs> things have changed. Things have since changed. The last quote of Morgan. Quite a bit. Like, yeah. including the fact that, that Corey, the creative director, is a father now. And so I think mm-hmm. that's where that father-son right. relationship comes from. And so this game feels different. This game plays different, but that's okay. And that's because I do feel like at its heart, like the, the sort of, the, the feel of, Kratos is still there like that feel of like rage and anger and and fighting against these like giant monsters is still there but instead of doing it in a one note just rage furnace you are doing it in a three-dimensional father figure who's coming to terms with the fact that he's been this monster his whole life and he's like oh my god have I passed this on to my son which yeah. I think is super cool it's it's uh one of the things because we both we kind of co-wrote a preview um and one of the things I, I talk about in there is that like Story-wise, I feel like this is the first time Kratos has felt like a character because you're like one note is the perfect way to describe what Kratos was. I feel like now there is depth and relatability and vulnerability that I think make him the most defined he's ever been in terms of the story. Right. But then mechanically, I feel like this is the Kratos that more than ever you can customize and and turn into like to tailor your playstyle more than ever. So it's like it's this weird dichotomy of like I think. There's RPG elements in this game. There's there's customization in this game that make him feel like you can kind of craft him into what you want him to be. And yet, in terms of the actual story that's unfolding, like, it feels like they gave him, you know, before he was kind of this, like, he was one note in terms of anger, but he was also one note in that so often it came back down to he is seeking vengeance for his for his family, like, uh, for his wife and child. And it was just, like, over and over and over. It was about... uh he, you know, literally turned back time to 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 try and undo his mistakes, and or to try to delete the memories, or yeah. yeah, exactly. Whereas now it's like this is a Kratos who has accepted like responsibility. It feels like like he is like trying to sort of uh, appreciate sort of uh, the situation he's in and, and make the best of it, and and try and be a better person, and try and set an example for his son. And sometimes he does kind of a crappy job of it, mm-hmm. um, and that makes him feel more human than I think he really ever has. Well, tell me about his son, because, you know, I'm really interested. It's a brand new character. Uh, you know, he's the son of this kind of broken dude. Mm-hmm. So how do they sort of, you know, spark off of each other? It's So th- there's two ways to look at it. Like, one, you can look at it in terms of the story, and I think, like, right from the get-go, the kid's really endearing. Mm-hmm. Like, you really, like, you like this kid. He's... Uh, he wants to impress Kratos. Like, he wants to be brave. He wants to be a warrior. But he's also, like, a 10-year-old kid. And so, like, he gets freaked out when he sees a monster. And his weapon of choice is a bow and arrow and, like, a little knife. And the knife has, like, importance, which you find out through the game. Uh, but, like, he wants – it almost feels like like when I was a kid and, like, if my dad was, like – like building a table or something or doing construction and I would go and like, I want to help. And he'd be like, just hold the nails. Like, just do that. <laughs> like, dude, it's mostly just like, or the same thing. Like, like it's just don't get in the way. Here's something you could do. Yeah. Um, which I think is really cute because the kid is like, he wants to be brave and he wants to go on this journey with Kratos. But at the same time, like he finds awe in the spectacle, whereas Kratos has seen this all before. Literally like he's gone to the top of Mount Olympus all the way down to Hades. Um, and, and, I feel like we are like we view this world through Atreus's eyes. Like when he sees awe, we feel awe. When he is scared, we're scared. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that nails it. And it's also like because he has this kind of childlike sense of exploration, like you discover things through the window of him. One of the things I think is most impressive about him when, because like inevitably in my head, I'm thinking about, you know, Ellie. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking about Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite. I'm thinking about um, uh, uh, even Sam from Uncharted or Elena yeah. from Uncharted. Yeah. Like just thinking about like kind of the the pantheon of like companions in, in recent games mm-hmm. and one of the things I really like about him is that uh, – so Kratos has obviously you know, spent all this time in Greek mythology, and, and that's what we saw. This is literally a different world. And so what I like about Atreus is that he speaks languages Kratos doesn't. And so he's literally like translating runes. And, and you know, as much as Kratos is like obviously his protector and is kind of taking down all these very obvious threats, there's also the sense that like they're essentially being guided by Atreus because he can see these things and translate them and make sure mm-hmm. that like they're on the right path or reveal new information that helps them figure out a clue or solve a puzzle. And so like I think that he sort of similar to to what you would get from like um uh even in the Lost Legacy or or in The Last of Us like he can assist you with traversal. But right. what I like on top of that is that like he really is in some ways like like guiding your way along this journey. Yeah, and he's teaching you like whereas in uh the other God of War games like Kratos was so ingrained in the, the the pantheon of Greek mythology that he knew who Ares was and he knew who Calliope was. Whereas with this it feels like he's learning like you'll you'll come across these uh, sort of optional um uh, it almost feel like cabinets that open up and have these like pictures and runes of like a, of a Norse myth of the time. You know, Thor fought Sith, and uh, the son is explaining to Kratos this myth, and it seems like Kratos is hearing it for the first time. Yep. And so it's sort of cool that like Kratos lives in this world, but it feels like again without knowing this isn't a spoiler because we have only yeah. felt like we've we played two and a half hours, and it really does feel like we only scratched the surface of this game. Yeah, uh, it feels like. Kratos lives in this world, but it almost feels like he hasn't left a, like, mile of his cabin ever. Like, right. he lives in this cabin in the woods, and he doesn't leave it. Whereas, like, there's clearly, you know, this Midgar, there's clearly all this crazy stuff going on. And, and so it's finally him also branching out and being like, well, let's see what the hell else is going on in this world. So this is old man Kratos, basically. This is totally, like, yeah. this is, the way I describe this is, yes, this is this is a sequel to the other God of War games. Uh, and they're not like constantly, he's not like when I was fighting Zeus <laughs> yeah, in God of War 3. Oh, when I think back to my time. When I fought the Colossus of Rhodes <laughs> yeah. in God of War 2. Um, but clearly, like Logan, like yes. this is an old version of this iconic character. And like there's a moment early on when he's looking down at his wrists and he has these bloody bandages that he's sort of wrapping back up and those are where his chains were. Like the, the you know, the, the iconic uh, the blade. blades of, Cla- yeah. of chaos. And so like he is definitely... He has experienced all those things, but he has tried to put it so far behind him, like both in terms of distance, because clearly he's they're not in Greece anymore, and then like it seems like like it seems like eons have moved past, yeah, um, in a really interesting way, yeah. So like moving on to sort of like more mechanical stuff, like Andrew, you were saying that uh, he's more customizable this time around. Yeah, you have like so number one, one of the things this is like such a stupid thing because it sounds like every video game ever but like you can get armor for him that changes his appearance which like sounds really stupid but like feels kind of unique to this uh and uh if you're watching the video version this this little blue man that we're seeing on the screen um is is sort of a merchant that you can go to to uh customize your leviathan axe that he's holding or to acquire new armor for either kratos or atreus and 
when you equip some of this armor, like it literally, it'll be like a full tunic that that covers him, or it'll maybe just be like more of an upgrade to sort of the the thing he has from the beginning, his sort of like loincloth strap situation yeah. that he's got going on. Andrew was talking about how one of his nipples is exposed, and Andrew was yeah. very often like just looking because oh. the nipple is like extremely well defined. So we, <laughs> like, like it is a photorealistic nipple. It is insane. Like in on a PS4 Pro in 4K. <laughs> Like his beard hair and his nipples and like his abs are like genuinely distracting. <laughs> uh, yeah, the level of detail is just insane. Uh, and like, yeah. honestly, like, I feel like a broken record because I say this once a year about Sony first party stuff, but in the same way that I reacted to Uncharted 4 and then Horizon and now God of War, it is like, this feels like just a new benchmark for console gaming. It's like totally. absolutely stunning. Like, mm-hmm. like the detail and, and even like, um, like, obviously, like, look, like, Sony Santa Monica is where the mocap happened for the Naughty Dog games and for so many other, like, famous Sony first-party games. So, obviously, it's not like it's surprising that Santa Monica mm-hmm. has that same mocap technology. But, man, just the emotion in, in cutscenes and, and in these characters' faces even and, and just the, the realistic way they move and interact and, and, like, hair and clothing, like, seriously, just stunning. And, and this far into the generation, you think that you'd be used to it, but, like, I, I can't stop. How obsessing. How are the teeth? That's always my thing. Like Ooh, I don't as, know if I as technology at the moves forward and every like, like every time someone says, Oh my god, you will not believe how great this game looks, I'm like, How are the teeth? Well I'm glad you asked. Cut to the clip about the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Wait, you have a like high watermark for teeth in games? Uh, like, is there a game that's no, really like well? there is there has not been a game yet where I've been like, yep, those are those are actual. It's so funny because when I think of like some of the best mocap games, I think of like Hellblade, yeah. and like Hellblade, like that that core performance is one of the best performances I've seen in, in years. Right, I can't, I don't recall the teeth. Like mm-hmm. I think about the eyes. They hide yeah, I think the about teeth. the mouth. Because yes. they can't they can't do the teeth. That's a PS5 wow. thing. <laughs> yeah. <PS5> yeah. <laughs> There's like a new game, it's like about a dentist and yeah. like very specific. Uh, uh but you no, know, you mentioned the uh you know, when we were talking about customization, like mm-hmm. this in this which is maybe just a product of twenty eighteen, yeah. but um this feels this is an action RPG. Like, make no, uh, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, this game has a lot of systems under the hoods of progression and of stat management and of upgrade trees and of, uh, you know, customizing your loadout and what you're wearing, what Atreus is wearing, what your weapons are, uh, adding runes to weapons that add uh, certain augmentations and new skills. And there's Uh, a kind of, uh, there's a cool duality to it, too, because pretty much everything you have sort of a, like, you have a light. I mean, honestly, it's like pretty similar to what God of War was in that one way that you do have like a light attack and a heavy attack. Yeah. And, um, that, that uh, also extends to like sort of the stuff you can do to your axe. You can put in like sort of a, uh, a lighter, like there's a quick area of effect attack, or you can do like a much heavier, uh, blow that you can also customize. And there's like skill trees. It, it, it really, you're totally right. It, it's much more systems heavy than I was expecting. Yeah. And this game feels very, it feels very big in terms of, uh, Sort of like I don't I, I don't know yet if this game is open world, right? Uh, but I do know that in the same way, uh, something like Rise of the Tomb Raider has. Well, if you want to mainline through an area, you can get through it pretty quickly. Uh, you can follow Atreus to go to the goal. If you need to make your way to this tree, you can get to that tree. Um, but there are so many little offshoots in hidden areas that have. Uh, you know, combat scenarios and they have chests that have uh, money in it and they have puzzles and they have these like mysterious um, sort of objects that give you lore about Norse mythology or things that we didn't even know how to open. Um, and when you look at your map, like every time you do something, you get a, oh, you've ticked off one out of 20. So you've, uh, you found a new enemy, you killed it. If you kill 20 of them, you get XP. Uh, you found an item. If you get three of them, you raise your health. You found money. If you get enough, you can upgrade. Um, so, constantly has this sort of uh, 
dangling a carrot in front of you, which I think when a game does well, uh, I really like that. Yeah. When a game does that well, which I think Horizon did, like every time I'm doing something, I feel like I'm feeding towards progression. Yeah. And like in, in Insomniac games do that really well too, where it encourages you like if you keep using a weapon, that weapon's gonna um level up. If you keep using a specific skill, if you're killing enemies in the air, that's how you're gonna level up. And I feel like the game encourages experimentation and exploration and getting a little bit outside your comfort zone to see, you know, what kind of stuff you could do. It also semi not like punishes you, but like there there's also like a I dropped down to an area because there was a chest down there. And uh, so enemies are represented with levels and like even different colored health bars so that you can tell from afar before you engage with an enemy sort of a little bit of how strong they are. And um, we almost entirely in this demo, with the exception of a couple boss fights, fought level one enemies and like maybe a two here or there. But there's one part where I dropped down to get to a chest and it was my only level three encounter. And like the health bar is like dark purple. And I was like. Uh oh, probably, <laughs> probably shouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, and that's like, it, it, it almost reminded me of like when you first start like Fallout 3 and like, if you go the wrong way, you just find super mutants that you are absolutely not equipped to fight yet. Yeah. And, but uh, I, I love that because, mm-hmm. you know, that's what makes a world feel so real. Mm-hmm. Like that, you know, you're not being guided along a path that like this is a world that happened to be here mm-hmm. and you just happened to be in it. Yep. 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 Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And like, I guess kind of to answer your question before we talk about teeth and then I got distracted and talked about nipples. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the combat, uh, is, yeah. is probably the area where this is the most. Yeah. Different. We talked 15 minutes. We haven't touched on combat, which is, yeah, kind of because important. I mean, everyone wants to know, like, yeah. and, and, and how much of a combat focus is there? Is it, is it still as combat focused as all of the other God of Wars or it, it is in such a different way? Yeah. Uh, combat, like, honestly, like I, I hate that literally everyone compares literally every game to this, but it feels like Dark Souls. And, and I, I mean that. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said it. I mean, I mean that in the way that like you, you have a shield and you have basically like the game, the first two and a half hours that we played, which is the opening two and a half hours of the game does a really clever thing where the first like real encounters you have even with just groups of random enemies but especially when you get to a couple of like kind of the like boss-ish fights um they really teach you how to play this game and if you play it like a god of war game you are not going to last long like you have a shield and you need to time parries and you have to really be smart about finding the window to attack versus when to go back and be on on the defensive and get some range between you and the enemy um it it really is interesting to me how much I was playing it defensively, mm-hmm. like which is different than how you said yeah. you were playing it. But like I had my shield up almost constantly, and I yeah. was like very careful about like trying to get the parry timing for an enemy before I even really engage them. Yeah, um, I think that that feels so different to me than like the button mashing that I feel like I did for other God of War. No, it totally feels different than God of War in terms of the button mashing, in terms of being like, oh, I want to hit light, light, heavy attack to yeah. do yeah. my thing where I sweep an enemy up in the air. Yeah, and you get the um, orbs and the combo numbers Yeah, on the screen, exactly. So. Like, uh, the, the game has a relatively minimal HUD compared to the other ones, but I think the biggest addition to this, which makes the combat feel different than something like uh, Bayonetta or something like Ninja Gaiden uh, is, or even Dark Souls, is the fact that your Leviathan Axe, it feels like Thor's Mjolnir in terms of you, it is almost as effective throwing it as it is using it to slash, and when you throw it, it sticks into whatever you throw, and you have to manually hit, I think, Triangle or yep. R1 to have it come back to you. Right. No, it will come back like Mjolnir. It's magic. It'll come back to your hand. Uh, but you can use that in such interesting ways to uh, you throw it at an enemy that's in the distance that is that enemy's hurling fire at you. And so you throw it and your axe has sort of an ice property to it. And so it freezes that enemy. And then using your bare hands, you can beat up a guy in front of you and 
bare hands doesn't do as much damage as it would if you had the axe, but it does raise this little red meter. And if an enemy's red meter gets to the top, you're able to do like a brutal kill and just right. rip it in half. But while you're hitting it, you can choose to have the axe come back to you and it will cut anything that's in its way. Yep. And so like, again, like in the Avengers, when you see Thor do that, like the axe will come straight back into your hand. And if there's five enemies in the way, all of them will be hit by it. And so I feel like expert play and like high level play is going to come knowing when to throw your axe, where it is at all times, and when to call it back in order to do maximum damage. It's also cool because, like, it, it, the axe is also used on some of the puzzle solving. And so, like, I would leave it in something. Like, there are things where, like, you have to throw it at a gear to stop the gear so that you can continue through a door because otherwise it would close. And then I would get into three or four combat encounters that were easy, and I would get to a more difficult one and be like, oh, I'm doing this barehanded. Where's my axe? Yeah. And it totally is that Thor thing where you put your arm up, and like the further it is away, it might take an extra second or two, and you kind of you hear, it hear worrying. It just it, it feels so badass, and it, it's totally true. Like it does, it changes combat so much compared to the blades that you had in the other game, yeah. And compared to kind of what I expect from a God of War game. And uh, I think another a way that it sort of feels more like Souls than a traditional God of War game is from the perspective, because um, you'd get those those. In the other God of War trilogy, like rarely, you, you pretty much always see everything that's around you. Mm. So there's nothing, even if something's behind you, it doesn't matter because you could see it. Just well, by, and you have a fixed camera. Yeah, like here, you, you can, camera. you have a free camera control here. Yeah. And so here, given that it's sort of the camera's traditionally behind you, like, it, I don't know, kind of looks like Resident Evil 4 or something. Um, and, and enemies are deadly. Like even a, a, the weakest enemy can still mess you up if you're not paying attention. So that's sort of where it feels like Dark Souls, where you have to like fear and respect everything you're going up against. Uh, and so you'd enter a, a combat scenario and there would be, uh, there'd be two dudes throwing fireballs at you in the distance. There's two sort of level two grunts in front of you who have like two full health bars. And then there's this witch who is teleporting everywhere. And so you have to be like, all right, no matter where I am, I need to, Keep mental note of where these two fireball guys are. I need to make mental note of where the switch is teleporting and then make sure I don't get too close to the, to the heavy Heavies. guys. Um, but the combat gets interesting because, uh, Atreus isn't just like your son and interesting for the story. Uh, he's actually incredibly useful in combat and you have some control over how. So he has a limited amount of arrows that, and I think after he fires them, he retrieves them. He has, he, he has like an inventory basically. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Like he has to like get his arrows back, which isn't like, it doesn't like get in your way or anything. It's, it's almost more like a cooldown timer than yeah. anything. But yeah, like, so like the, the witch enemy, the revenant that, that you mentioned, like literally like you will not be able to hit unless Atreus has shot the enemy with arrows and kind of stunned it. And yeah. then you can, you can kind of get a couple blows in. Or as you were saying earlier, if you're positionally aware of other enemies being in between, maybe just throw your axe. And then, like, you kind of get a double hit because you get the initial hit, and then when you pull the axe back, you get a second hit, basically. So, like, you're taking away a good amount of health at that point. What I, like, really like that I'm hearing is that it just sounds way more grounded than previous God of War games, which I guess is, like, very in step with its themes, mm -hmm. you know? It's, 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 not, it's less of a power fantasy mm -hmm. than the previous games, which is, yeah, is right for this. Oh, totally, for this, yeah. Like, tonally very mm -hmm. right. Yeah, even, yeah. like, in terms of... Uh, like if you're watching the footage, uh, the game has blood, but it feels like when you are fighting these sort of like the low level, like whatever the ghouls are, are named, and you like tear one in half, its blood is almost this like neon orange that's almost like this fiery essence. And so it doesn't feel like blood blood. But when this opening did use actual blood, it was really effective because it was a fight that we can't really get too much into. Mm. But it was like an emotional, really brutal fight, and you're like, Oh, this is messed up. Like this isn't violence for titillation. This is like 
oh god, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I even like the way it handles that is it feels again more. I don't want to say mature in like a ooh, it feels mature. Yeah, it's but it not just, like highbrow. Oh, oh no. games as art. <laughs> no, but it just does. I don't know. It just feels like a God of War game made in a post Uncharted and post Last of Us well, world. I mean, especially because Kratos is a like we have seen him as a literal god yeah. and like like both emotionally and physically like he's never really someone who felt especially vulnerable mm. you know in in other games i mean there are moments where like plot wise he did like lose his abilities or like mm. whatever when zeus tricked him into whatever putting him in that blade or whatever the hell happened in the yeah. other god organs but like there's that weird like sense in this one that like it, it does almost feel like logan where it's like he he you feel the strain of it a little bit more not that he's necessarily weak but like he has aged you know and like what with that comes wisdom in terms of the story stuff but it also has affected sort of the way he takes blows in combat and i think that um you're totally right i think that like the idea of like feeling like after a long fight especially you feel him like you feel the impact of that making him more tired, mm-hmm. you know, and, and especially like in, in kind of the way those fights affect the story, like they're not ignoring the fact that like fighting someone for 20 minutes takes a lot out of him, you know, yeah. and that like I, I think that makes him again feel vulnerable in a way he just hasn't. And that makes him so immediately more relatable, at least for me. Like I really like I cared about him more and weirdly an emotion I've never felt for Kratos in any of these games is concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, there are like, these moments I don't think like, anyone really has. <laughs> yeah. to, I mean, because he's always having a pretty good time. Apart from the fact he's out for revenge. Yeah, like, he's I got it pretty sweet. I can't fathom this game having like a moment where you go into a hot tub and have a three exactly, and then your health exactly. goes up. Like, I, can't, I can't even picture it, what, that, what yeah. that would be like in this world. Uh, right. I'd probably be v- gloriously rendered nipples. <laughs> that would be one thing. The nipples would just be so good. And so the devs were very much like when you went down there, the devs were very explicit about just wanting to reinvent Kratos for like a new generation, basically a new time period. Yeah. So, I mean, does it feel because oh, we keep bringing up Logan and I keep thinking, oh, God, well, we all know, know how yeah. that ended, you know? Does it feel like there's a sort of inevitability to the story? Like this is going to be like the final God of War or? I don't know. Like honestly, like I was thinking about that a lot because like even before Uncharted 4 came out, they were like very clear, regardless of whether he was going to live or die, they were like, hey, this is like the end cap we're going to put on Nathan Drake's adventures, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And it was literally called A Thief's End. And like yeah. I, I remember thinking with that one. I remember having conversations on this show about like, does that mean he's going to die? And I think the the thing I will say is that like, I we don't know, obviously, but, like, I think right now this kind of, like, older dude with young companion learning to be vulnerable through – like, it's become a real trope, especially oh, in the last few years. Oh, it's definitely become a trope. Yeah. I, I think beginning with Walking Dead Season 1. In the road. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Go, road, I, yeah, I sure. you want to look at other mediums. But, yeah, yeah but in, in games especially, yes, yeah. definitely other mediums. And Logan's a great recent example. But I think, like, even when I think about Bioshock Infinite and I think about The Last of Us and I think about all these games we keep mentioning, like, I do feel like this one – doesn't feel like it's following those trends. It feels like maybe it will be a, it will subvert that a little bit. Yeah. And I'm hoping that what that means is for Kratos specifically, like maybe we will see a little bit of a different outcome than what we see in the rest of these stories. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because like it's this character that he's had, I guess, whoa, this is his sixth, seventh game. I believe. Yeah. Seventh. So. Cause we had yeah. the, the trilogy, Ascension, the two PSP games and this. That sounds right. Um, and so, and, He's a character who's literally never found happiness. Mm. Like there is, there's no catharsis for him at any moment. It's just a downward spiral. And so I'm like wondering, like, 
is is it even possible for him to have a happy ending? Like, is it possible for if him? If he does, if he does get a happy ending, you'll see those teeth. See, see that, <laughs> that big toothy grin. Finally smiles yeah. and his teeth come yeah. out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe this is sort of a Walking Dead season one where the, the entire five episodes felt like Lee teaching Clementine how to exist and survive in this world without him. Mm. So I don't know if that's what this game is trying to go for, of him trying to teach his son, you know, how to exist in this world once he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, and I guess one other thing I did want to talk about, which we haven't discussed yet, is the way this game is presented in a single shot, mm. which is one of the most impressive things. Yeah, so I want to hear about yeah. this, because on your run sheet you had that shot. Yeah. And I want to know, what is that shot? So they've Corey has said since the E3 reveal. Or Barlog. Or the Barlog, yeah. Um, that the game is one continuous shot, that the camera never cuts. Uh, there's no cutscenes, there's no loading screen, there's no fade to black that the game opens and is a continuous shot like the Hitchcock movie Rope until the end. Okay, has that ever happened in a game before? Especially a game of this size? Yeah. No. Like, I think maybe there are smaller games that have done like, that. There's like Gone well, Home yeah. in yeah. theory. Yeah. 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 But I don't, a game of this scale, if there is one, I can't think of it. Yeah. But no, we played two and a half, three hours and there's literally no cut. So to the point where unbroken. when it's it ended, yeah. when the demo ended, there's no like smooth place to like hide at the end of a cutscene or something. So it was just like you're literally walking. It's like demo is now over. Yeah. You're like, oh, all right. Yeah. But you, but you can pause. Oh, you can pause. Yeah. yeah okay. You can go in your inventory and everything. But like right. when you. It's also really generous checkpoints. So like you, I assume if you if you jump out to rest mode or if, if you, you know, I don't know, the, the power goes out because a bird flew into a power line or something, what? which happens. Um. You know, if you turn your system back on, let's put you at the last checkpoint. I'm assuming. Yeah, but um, it's it is it's insane how uh, smoothly it transitions from combat to the camera just kind of pans around you and takes control away while you and Atreus have a conversation, and then the camera pans back a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, I have control again." Oh, I didn't realize that. I definitely got like beaten almost to death because i was just standing still because i didn't realize i had regained yeah. like the last time i remember doing that was in the desert in uncharted 3 where i was like wow they really wanted you to stare at the desert huh and i was like oh i'm controlling it. Like, <laughs> yeah it was definitely yeah. that moment but there's even stuff where like you're in a fight with someone and they punch you so hard that you go flying like you know hundreds of feet away the camera just follows kratos's face that hundreds of feet and then lands with you and then just swivels around behind you and you're in control again. That is extraordinary. It's, and it, feel, it it also feels like quite a significant jump forward to where all games, I feel, will inevitably end up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially getting rid of cutscenes. Mm-hmm. You know, they still, even now, they're starting to feel a little archaic. Sure, yeah. But that's, yeah, like for, for, for a game this size, yeah. that is amazing. It's, really it's a technical achievement. It's also like, I, I kind of roll my eyes at how often the, the word cinematic is used to describe games and I'm yeah. guilty of it too but it's like I feel like especially when we find ourselves referring to The Last of Us or Uncharted or like a, a certain caliber horizon whatever like like you, you feel like it, it's the ultimate compliment to call it cinematic but what it really just means is like I don't know the story's good or whatever this genuinely feels cinematic like you at least for me or, or you know going and knowing that that was the goal they were trying to hit like i was genuinely thinking about camera positioning and and what we were looking at for a big chunk of the time and i was like this is actually like really cool and like framing is like representative of things and like it, it generally does feel like filmic it, it yeah. feels like what you would see from like a really good director well and it's even so like the you know the demo starts off with we uh kind of like where you've seen the initial e3 reveal that's really early mm-hmm. on in the game so you're at this you know sort of shanty cabin in the middle of the snowy woods and two and a half hours later we were in this incredibly colorful 
like high fantasy forest garden. And that's where our demo ended. And I'm like, we've made it all the way from here to snowy mountains, to tombs, to this garden. And it's never cut. Yeah. And I can, you've seen all these other scenes in the trailers and I'm like, holy hell, like you're going to get to the end of this thing and you'll play 15, 20, 30 hours without a cut. Yeah. And it it makes it feel, I mean, it it means that it plays out in real time, you know? So there's no like cheating in terms of like, you know, Atreus can't look up at Kratos and ask a hard question. And then you see Kratos looking sullen and then it cuts away or so like, there's no, there's no cheapening of that moment. Like, he has to answer and it's like you see that moment play out or like when you know atreus is scared of something like you see him come down from it because like they're not going to cut away and you know six hours later he's asleep in bed and oh good he's finally calm yeah. it's like no yeah. you see him freaked out and yeah. like, it, you see him like a thing happens and you watch him be like lost for a second and like like you're there's like this you know mechanic where he constantly throws a rope down to you and there's a moment where something happens where he's like up there about to get the rope and he, he just keeps like stopping and staring off into space and Kratos is like hey like come back like pay attention like 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 i know you're freaked out but like you know this is where you are like and it's really cool it's a thing you have to like instigate yeah like because right. you, you you have like square is kind of like you interact with uh, it's like Atreus the Atreus button. button yeah and so in combat he'll fire arrows you'll speak to him you'll have him translate runes and in this one it was like you just saw some messed up stuff and this kid climbed up there and is thinking about it and you have to hit square to be like Hey, I need you to. I need you to come back. I need, we need to yeah. keep going. Like yeah. I know that was messed up. We need to press on, which That's, is like really emotional. It, it is, and like from a storytelling perspective, that is so challenging. Yeah, yeah. You know, giving yourself that challenge to actually not have cutscenes, to not, as you say, like narratively cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, that could make for some really challenging moments, but also some really deeply emotional stuff yeah it's you also have just, to face it yeah yeah it's fascinating on a technical level like there there, there are moments you know where you take away control for a second and like a, a scene plays out in front of you still in a single cut um and then you seamlessly gain control back i would imagine under the hood that's where a lot of the loading is happening sure. but right. like it's really it's fascinating to me because like i certainly never noticed it there was never like a frame rate drop there was never like anything oh, no. that betrayed the fact that like it was doing anything under the hood like you just are in it yeah and it's like even from the minute you hit new game and select your difficulty, like it just goes like you never, ever, ever see a black screen for even a moment. Yeah. Like it just, it's so and, stunning. And whereas like the other games would be like, well, this is what's happening on Mount Olympus. Like, Oh, Zeus is talking to Athena. No, Ares is upset. Like, I don't know if this game can do that. This game is never like, well, in Asgard, Odin and Loki are talking and they have plans for Kratos. Like yeah. Yeah. the immediacy is that it just stays with Kratos and Atreus. Yeah, I really, uh, I can't wait to learn more. It's funny because we played just enough of it where I'm like, uh, you yeah, know, like, I, I need it now. Yeah. It's also going to be weird, uh, like whatever, not, not that I'm complaining because I, w- I would love to replay that whole part, but it's going to be interesting when I finally get like my own copy and I'm playing through it to, to kind of remake some of the upgrade decisions again because mm-hmm. I am really curious, like, like I, I, was you know in the middle of a demo I, I was just spending all my currency and wasn't hanging on to it for anything more expensive um and i was definitely leaning more towards defense than offense but it's like i do wonder if you can make kratos a little bit more of like a glass cannon where it's like you can deal like brutal damage but like you really do have to play very defensively mm-hmm. yeah and i'm really uh you know the big lingering questions for us are like we know this game is big like we know we looked at our map and it has sort of the forest we were in and the path we took and then if you zoom out there's this massive fog of war like the the, the map is huge and Corey told you that there's like all there's like giant areas you're totally optional that you can miss yeah um again very dark souls very dark souls yeah no totally my big thing is i am 
I'm really curious as to how much this game ties back to who Kratos was in terms of story. Well, and we've been talking about that a lot. Like, if there are no cuts, if they never cheat, if there's never a flashback sequence, if there's never time passing, that is really interesting in terms of exposition for backstory. Because it's also going to be like, because we left God of War 3, he uh, was lying dead, and then... Mankind had their hope restored, and then the last shot is mankind going insane because they gave mankind freedom and all they did was tear each other apart. But then Kratos' body isn't there, and the blood sort of goes off in the distance. And so you're like, well, how did you get from there to here? And how long has it been, and who knows that you're here? And, like, all of the old gods are dead. Like, are there going to be, you know, fights against, like, Odin? And and also – Straight up, my Norse mythology knowledge is pretty much through the, the three Thor movies, which probably isn't, <laughs> probably not great. Especially Ragnarok's probably not a great thing. I'd be like, when's Korg gonna show up? Yeah, where's Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm also excited to see, you know, when, when you think about that performance capture, when you think about that acting, like, maybe they will have to deliver though, like, if they really are gonna truly stick to never, ever, ever cutting and never cheating, then that means the only way to deliver what you would normally get from a flashback is with, like, a monologue, with, mm-hmm. like, a super expository monologue, which is, like, Number one, like, usually those don't turn out great in, yeah. in storytelling. And number two, like, that requires, like, a level of performance that I don't think we get very often from games. Like, I, I think they do often get, like, the flashback and, oh, now you're playing as eight-year-old Kratos. And, like, he, yeah. uh, a cat bit him and that's why he doesn't <laughs> like the cat. You know, it's yeah. like you get all those, like, weird, like, moments of that are, like, very cute. But, like, that's not what this game is doing. And yeah. so I'm, I totally agree. I think, like, how they fill in that backstory is going to be super fascinating. Yeah. And there, there were, like, hints of it that we can't talk about until release but those small hints were incredibly intriguing and had an amazing performance from what i hope is the antagonist of the game or the main foil of the game so what is the release date 420 i guess 20 comma 24 is that what you guys do April yeah, 20th. 20, 24. <laughs> April 20th. But um, obviously, obviously, it's, you know, it's going to hit that release date because it sounds super polished. Yeah. And, oh uh, yeah. yeah, the game ran incredibly. Like, there were no dips. The game controlled incredibly. The nipples looked super great. fun. The hair looks great. The nipples amazing. Really yeah. good hair. Great abs. Um, just waiting on the teeth. Just waiting, waiting on yeah. the teeth. Yeah. Um, no, like, as someone who, uh, you, we've said this before, like, I enjoyed the God of War games as, like, sort of fun spectacle action games. Mm-hmm. And never thought of them as anything more. Whereas this, I'm like, oh, you're, this is it. I think this is my most anticipated game of the year now. Me too. Like this is, I'm thinking about this in the same thoughts as like Red Dead and Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. Well, after, totally after this chat, like yeah. I feel the same way. Oh, that's so great. So, yeah. 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 That is so cool. Uh, well, thank you guys so much. Uh, where can we find you all on Twitter? Uh, I am at Luce O'Brien, L-U-C-E O'Brien, no apostrophe. And Brian with an E. Brian with an E. Yeah. 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 Not like Brian with an A, like that other Brian who's on the show. Well, yeah. sometimes I get like when people hate on me in the comments and stuff, they always spell my name with an A. Oh, no, that's, like, there's a different person who writes for us named Lucy O'Brien with an A, and she sucked. So, like, <laughs> she sucked. She's no good at all. So <laughs> you're, you're just getting some of that fallout, I think. Uh, I'm Garfap on Twitter. You can find uh, our preview on the site. Yep. And also later this week-ish, uh, we will have a my full interview with Corey, which was just amazing and enlightening mm-hmm. and he is such a smart articulate guy i think that it's it's very clear that like like obviously a lot of people were in this game incredibly talented people in, in every discipline but like him steering the ship is a lot of what gives me so much faith in this game um, yeah so i'm really excited to put that interview up uh, i think we should have it up this week yeah and i think we'll have a lot more uh, in the next month or so leading up to its release and then probably a full spoiler cast once the game is out
Yes. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Lucy and Andrew, uh, for Marty. Uh, that was our special one-off beyond uh, focus on God of War. Uh, we'll be back next week with a full new episode. Thanks, guys. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.